In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. No mistake that 2 Corinthians 5 was the lectionary reading for this Sunday. I cannot help but think about the implications of Christ's ministry of reconciliation as I'm about to leave tomorrow morning with nine others from the Advent to go on mission to Nicaragua. Nothing makes you feel more like an ambassador for Christ than to go from one country to another in his name. But you don't have to go on a mission trip to another culture to be an ambassador for Christ. You might be called to go at some point on a trip like that, but you can also be a part of God's ministry of reconciliation right here at home. When St. Paul was writing to the Corinthians, he was talking about himself when he said, we are ambassadors for Christ. He was talking also about all those of us who get to get up in a pulpit and point to him. But he was also talking about every single Christian. We are each a part of the priesthood of all believers. By virtue of our salvation in Christ, we are each equipped in three related ways to be his ambassadors. The first of these ways is the most essential because nothing can happen without it. First and foremost, Paul calls us, along with the Corinthians, to be reconciled to God. God, through Christ, reconciled us to himself. And it's neat to see that this ministry of mercy is not just a ministry that begins to, with Jesus Christ or belongs to him as, he, as if he were the kinder, gentler member of the Trinity. No, it begins with God the Father. He is the one who desires to bridge the huge gap between our fallen sinfulness and his perfect holiness. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, which is a city of three rivers. It's a city that's known for its many bridges. At the beginning of the 20th century, there were two population clusters on either side of the Ohio River. Aliquippa was the home of the J&L Steel Company, which was one of the largest steel companies in the country. And then on the other side of the river stood Ambridge, home of the American Bridge Company. You would think they would want to do a lot of business together, right? Steel and bridges. But there was no bridge connecting those two towns on either side of the river. And they wanted this bridge for a long time. They finally got it in 1926. And the whole joke was that the only thing they had to import was the paint for the bridge. But there, and after that bridge was built, then the great Ohio River no longer stood as a barrier to connection and to industry between these two towns. Well, for us, as fallen and sinful human beings, it is as though we are standing on one bank of the Ohio River, looking longingly across at God. There is nothing that we can do on our own to bridge that gap and connect ourselves with him. The river of our sin is too wide and too deep. We need someone to build a bridge for us. 
Jesus Christ is the one who by his incarnation, being both fully human and fully divine, has one foot on either side of the river. Jesus Christ is the one who by his death has built up a sure and certain bridge spanning that gap of our sin. The bridge is through his body of flesh, dying there on the cross so that our sins would be forgiven. We are now, by him, welcomed into relationship with God. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting our trespasses against us. Well, flash forward from the building of the Ambridge Aliquippa Bridge to almost 90 years later when I was living in Ambridge for seminary. In the summer of 2007, there was an old bridge that collapsed during rush hour in Minnesota, injuring and killing over 100 people. Though, of course, this news paralyzed me with fear. I could no longer drive without blinking straight across the Ambridge Aliquippa Bridge because I was convinced that it would give away right while I was in the middle of it. After a while of avoiding the bridge, finally it became clear it was the only way across the river. I had to take the bridge. And I remember then, of course, being parked in traffic on that two-lane bridge when an 18-wheeler came in the opposite direction and the whole bridge shook. I could feel it. I was afraid. I doubted. But thank goodness that old Pittsburgh steel stayed strong. The bridge of the cross is one that will not fail us. Christ's work on our behalf is sure and trustworthy. So when we are afraid or we doubt our righteousness, we just remember Paul's words. In Christ, we are a new creation. Jesus took on our sins so that we might be clothed with his righteousness. Our identities have been swapped like strangers on a train. The prince has become a pauper so that we paupers might have a royal and heavenly destiny in him. So we are reconciled with God when we stand right there on the middle of the bridge of Jesus Christ and we say, I need him. Yes, let his death be for me. Secondly, we are a part of God's ministry of reconciliation when we stand there and we point to him. To those who don't know Christ, we ourselves are like living road signs, almost as if we are green, painted with reflective paint with an arrow pointing and saying, this way to God as we point to Jesus Christ. Well, those of us who are going to Nicaragua are not going to build anything tangible on this trip. Not this time. I'll never forget 10 years ago when I was preparing to go on a mission trip to India from my church in New York City, there was one man who asked us and urged us. He said, well, where, where aren't you going to build a plaque to put up there in India so that people will go by and know that we did something there, that we had a, a holding there as if we were going to the moon and planting a flag for our country. We ourselves are not the fixers of anything. We are in just as much need of fixing as those that we are going to minister to. We're not the bridge that spans the gap between Nicaragua and the United States, between relative wealth and relative poverty, between brokenness 
and restoration. We're just road signs pointing the way to the bridge, Jesus Christ. The third way in which we take part in God's ministry of reconciliation to others is when we do so to those who already know, Christ, already know Jesus Christ, when we minister to those who are Christians already. Because Paul wrote his letter urging the, reconcil the reconciliation of the Corinthians to each other and to him and to God. But those Corinthians, they were already Christians. They had already known their salvation in Jesus Christ. But Paul told them specifically not to regard others according to the flesh, according to a human point of view. It's hard enough to believe that God has not counted my sin against me. But sometimes in my pride, it's even more difficult to discount the sin or the faults of others. In my first scene study class in college, my acting teacher paired me up with one of the social outcasts of the class. He was a 20-year-old boy who didn't know how to trim his nails or cut his hair. He was extremely smart, but he also uh, he picked his nose and ate it in public. I just remember my friends and I making a conscious effort to be kind to him, but it was really conscious. Well, every set of partners worked on their scenes for weeks and then presented them to the whole class. And I'll never forget my teacher talking to all of us before we began our performances. He appeared to be speaking to the whole class, but I felt as though he was looking right at me. And he said, don't you get up there and wear a t-shirt with the words written on it, I'm with stupid, as if we were pointing to our scene partner. What he meant was that he didn't want to see any one of us getting up there and looking knowingly at the audience and blaming any of the faults in our scene performance on our scene partner. How did he read my mind? Was my self-righteousness written on my face? In life, I find it all too, too easy to blame anything that goes wrong on the faults and failures of other people. It's hard to ignore them, especially those people that are closest to us in relationship. How many of us see others only ever according to the flesh? How many of us complain and resent them? We whine. Why can't my husband ever learn to pick up his clothes? Why can't she just help gossiping about everyone she knows? And why is my mother always like that? The moment when someone else is being the most ugly or the most unlovely is precisely the moment when they are most in need of acceptance, patience, love, forgiveness, and grace from you. Extending this to them and imputing to them what they do not have on their own is what God calls us to do as a part of his ministry of reconciliation. But we can't do it. It is in our human nature to shove others under the proverbial bus. 
And what seems like a horizontal relational problem is actually a vertical relationship problem. You, you see, my third point here is actually a return to the first point. Because God only ever makes his appeal to others through us when we are able to see others not according to the flesh, but according to the new creation that they are in Jesus Christ. We only ever do this when we are there standing at the middle of that bridge of the cross, aware of our own sinful flesh, looking down at the murky water of our sin with honesty, because that murky water is something that God will not allow to become a barrier of his love. We are each ambassadors of Christ only as we return to the place of our own need for God's grace. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for becoming sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Form in us then thy new creation. Reach out your own arms of love to others through us for your glory's sake. Amen.